Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Uh, you know, this is going to be a trigger warning here. What we're about to say is most likely going to be uh, not on the three by five card of allowable opinion, but I think that's the purpose of the show is to, to bring a different perspective. So who else better to bring on than uh, host of Talking Into the Void and uh, Libertarian, Brett Whelan. Thank you for coming on today, Brett. Well, thank you very much, fellas. Glad to, glad to be here. Thanks for reaching out to me. For sure. And so to start, we would like I would like to frame the political landscape, specifically recently with uh, COVID. It seems like there's been a, a bit of a cultural war between mask, no mask, lockdown, no lockdown. It seems like you either are super for like masking or you're against it, like no government control. And I think that's really interesting because it's polarized the nation that like heart, as far as I can remember in a long time. Uh, you know, it, it really has. And what, one thing that I've never understood from the very beginning of all of this was whatever happened to just letting people do what they want to do. Like for example, if somebody feels more comfortable wearing a mask, and they want to go to Walmart or go to their, you know, local coffee shop, let them wear the mask, get the, give them the option, let them do what they're going to do. Let them, let it be all be voluntary. And if somebody doesn't want to, then that's fine. Let them, let them do what they're going to do. The flip side of it too is uh, property rights. So uh, for example, let's talk about, you know, Menards for a second. Menards is huge on making sure that when you go there, you better have that coward cloth on. <laughs> or uh or or else you know you're not welcome in the store and they will call the cops they will trespass you off the property um they've done it i've 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 driven by walmart i can't tell you how many times i've seen cops here in bismarck uh you know dragging people out not necessarily arresting them but telling them hey you can go somewhere else but you ain't staying here um but then here's the flip side is that the free market is a beautiful thing there's alternatives you don't have to go to menards you can go to Ace Hardware, which is literally just a mile north of, 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 uh, of Menards here. I live half a mile from it myself. I love going to Ace. I know the owner. And no mask, no nothing. They don't, the employees wear them probably because they, they want to, you know, not because they have to. Um, but I, I've gone there for all my hardware needs and stuff, more so than I ever gone to Walmart or Walmart Menards. And so that's the beauty of a free market is that let people have the choice. You know, if, it, if a business owner decides that he wants to say, hey, I want my customers to be masked, that's fine. You know, and yeah, that's, and that's, 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 what I, that's what I want my place. I but, agree. And, but I think now, yeah, here's the argument, though. Now, some people now, and this is where it can get kind of dicey, vaccine passports or a, a vaccine ID to get into a store. Like, I do, do you find that right? Like, how does, you know, and that's that's kind of that's kind of where the conflict is there, too is you know, I, I am 100% against vaccine passports. I mean, ha have we honestly sunk so low in a society where now I have to show my papers to go buy groceries? Are you kidding me? That is, that is insane. So what, so those of us who refuse to get the vaccine, those of us who refuse to show our papers, are we now relegated to second-class citizens? You know, oh. so what if, what if uh, you know, if you own an iPhone and you decide that, oh, hey, I'm, I'm not going to get the vaccine, all of a sudden you're locked out of Apple's services because you're not going to get the vaccine until you show your papers to the corporate entities that be. Because that's what we're facing here is, is fascism by corporatism. It's a cooperation between the government and these large corporations that, uh, that, um, that's leading us down this, this 
terrible rabbit hole. I mean, even starting now, I don't know if it was in Chile or where was I take it with a grain of salt. I know I saw it somewhere in Central somewhere, America, Central America. Yeah. <laughs> and um, there was a volcano that erupted and every single person that was trying to flee and escape and get out of the area, they weren't allowed to go through the, across the border unless they had a vaccine card. So right there, you're already seeing second class citizens that are quite literally from a natural disaster trying to flee for their lives. And we're already making the decision to be judge, jury, and executioner by damning them to be stuck there because they didn't get their vaccinations. And they didn't even have an option to really get them for the most part. That's exactly right. Um, there, there was a bunch of, a couple of cruise lines that had open ships and they're not going to take refugees who ha don't have their, their vaccine papers. Uh, they don't have, <laughs> they, they have, they have no proof to show that they've been, been vaccinated, let alone, you know, so you're going to turn down a bunch of dying refugees whose, whose homes are covered in ash. Um, they can't go back to their homes to re start rebuilding until that volcano quits erupting. You're going to turn them down because of what? They might be diseased? <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. The free market answer, it is like, if you want the vaccine and take it, that's fine. You know, you're immune. If the vaccine works, then why are you concerned about whether somebody else is getting the vaccine is also another argument that I think strongly presents a case. Why, why would you need it to be forced upon everybody? This is the case where, you know, the, the free market does cut both ways. And that's the harsh reality that we have to, to, to live with. Um, the free market just, and just, you know, coronavirus notwithstanding, um, the free market both is judgmental and also non-judgmental it it just exists and that's the thing that we have to recognize is that the free market exists it exists for the benefit of some at the detriment of others but it's also this organic being that just that it, it wiggles and flops and does weird things other some industries suffer while others prosper it's the way it works it is both heart is is full of heart and heartless yeah and it just is and you have to, that's the biggest thing that i disagree with socialists on is that we need to wrangle this this rampant so or this rampant capitalism and this is a this is a, this isn't fair well sorry but life isn't fair <laughs> yeah you just you gotta you gotta roll with the punches and you know sorry if you get you know if you get cold cocked in the nose by by a, a, a tough time uh with you know with a downturn sorry but you know in the land of the free and the home of the brave we have the ability to get up, dust ourselves off, and try again, unlike anywhere else in, this, in the world. That's very true. And something else that I also have listened to and I thought was really interesting is when you try to centrally plan, you're essentially predicting results. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, is, we all know the human experience isn't predictable. And there are things that we just can't predict. And even if you predict something's going to happen, most of the time, it'll actually do the opposite of what you expect which is what the free market is for. It's like, yeah, we don't have the answers. So let's let the consumers decide and, and wherever the chips may fall, the chips may fall. And if you, if you didn't have success in whatever you were doing, it's usually an indication of the market that there isn't a need or a want, or there isn't a specific uh, requirement for that sector. And so I, I found that really interesting too. And I, I thought about that for a while. And I, that is probably the biggest selling point to me of why I, first of all, believe in a lot of libertarian philosophies. So the, the uh, one more thing about you know capitalism too is is that capitalism does generate greed 
but it also generates goodwill. Like, well, you guys talked about Del Ruff. Actually, I used to serve with Del Ruff on the North Dakota Liberty Pact. And uh, I've, so I've known Del for a couple of years and uh, um, I don't know him all that well, but uh, I know that he runs that, uh, the Ruff International and what an amazing program that that is. And uh, the free market allows generous people to do generous things. You know, it's granted the ability to donate to that program. It's granted Dale the ability to, um, you know, to, first of all, start it up and then run it and make sure that people in third world countries in Central America, you know, get that, that extra leg up that they need. Mm-hmm. I totally, you know, what, I totally what a agree. great program that that is. So Dell's doing, literally doing the Lord's work, which is amazing. I, I love it. And that's what capitalism has helped him do. By the way, shout out to Dell again. I know we've done that before. And actually, well, that's a good tie into uh, just a reminder that we do have a GoFundMe running for our uh, trip coming to Nicaragua this June. So for our listeners here, uh, consider checking out the GoFundMe. We'll post the link in the description. Um, and that is working with Rough International, actually. So <laughs> nice plug, Brett. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I plug my, I try to plug my friends here. So I, I consider both of you friends, even though I'm just the first time I've literally met you, but uh, yes, you guys, yeah. I've listened to every single one of your episodes, uh, except for the one on Monday. I've yet to listen to that one, but uh, I, I've everything that you guys are doing with this program and, and you guys going down to Central America in, in June, it's, it's, it's good work. So I, I can't, uh, I can't thank you enough for, you know, doing, doing the Lord's work out there. Thank you. Yeah. To get, I mean, to go back to, doing good with the free market there's also a lot of bad that you can do and you can see that oh, like course. super sketchy stuff goes on in the market and people are gonna cut lines in order to be the best of the best and that's why it's so important to choose where you're putting your money you know you go to ace hardware instead of menards because you're using your money which is basically your vote on all right you're gonna start doing this well i don't agree with it i don't agree with the tactics that you're trying to use against me, you know, necessarily whatever, and you're going to go somewhere else. And so even if bad things come out of the market or stuff you don't agree with, that's, you know, could be politicized, you can just go somewhere else. So even if there are bad things, the good things will still be found regardless, as long as there is a competitor open, because, you know, if a free market isn't free, then uh, you're going to start having monopolies. That's true. That's exactly, that's exactly right. Um, there's, there's a very, very good, uh, Tom, Tom Woods is an amazing historian, as you guys know. Um, there's been times where this country has had monopolies. Um, uh, let's, uh, who is it? Uh, I can't think of his name right now, but he, he uh, had a, a monopoly on uh, running uh, ships through the canals in the, in the Northeast. Um, and I'm blanking on his name right now, but uh, it sounds like a Dutch name if I remember right. But anyways, uh, where it, it got to the point where he ran things so efficiently with that monopoly that um, he, well, he, he did undercut his competitors, but it got to the point where um, the only thing he charged was to, to uh, ship goods and passengers rode for free. And in fact, he started selling food on the ships and ended up selling the food for free. <laughs> so all, all, the only thing that you, that you're buying when you were uh, buying passage on the ship it was like well get on board let's go <laughs> and the, the state tried to step in and stop that which is ironic so that is interesting and another thing that i think uh socialists especially attack is the that there's a a wealth inequality 
And here's the interesting observation that's been made across a historical perspective. It's called the Pareto uh, distribution. And so essentially what it's saying is the top 20% will own 80% of the majority of the things. That will always be the case no matter what system you have, no matter communism, socialism, capitalism. The difference is that top 1%, it constantly changes. So for example, it's like a whirlpool. Uh, a whirlpool. You see a whirl and it's going around, like the, it's, the water's going down the drain, but there's always new water coming around the drain that's going down. So it's always new people and there's an opportunity to climb the social hierarchy, which I think gives a lot of people a purpose because what's, who wants to live in a society where all you do is just sit down and eat cake, you know, and I've heard Jordan Peterson say this before, if you want to sit down and eat cake, well, guess what, somebody's eventually going to just flip the table upside down and see what happens because we want, humans want chaos, we want, we want a, a challenge, we want to attack some, it's like our human instinct to that gives us our intrinsic value and purpose. So I, I've thought about that for a long time, too. That's and that's exactly right. There's, it's it's amazing how how tribalistic that we as human beings can be. Um, the the terms of what tribe is who have, have changed. You know, whereas you know, two thousand years ago it was uh, you know the Greeks versus the Romans versus the Phoenicians versus this and that and that you know. And nowadays it's okay. It's the the wealthy against the middle class. It's it's this and that. Some of it's leftist narrative that gets parroted, but it's it's truth. I mean, take a look at the, the the French Revolution. You saw a whole bunch of people rise up and literally rip apart their whole government. In fact, Robespierre was like, you know, hey, let's guillotine a bunch of rich people, and then he went and got guillotined himself. So, <laughs> irony. <laughs> That's a but tough scene. It, it is, but uh, you know, it's it, we're inherently we 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 want to try to to defeat conflict but then it brings more conflict mm -hmm. and that's the way human history has been for thousands of years and it's going to continue to be that way you know that we we're keeping we keep i keep being told that oh hey well, all we have to do is just do these things just right we'll be we'll all be kumbaya just fine i'm sorry but i don't have i don't care selflessly for a person who lives in new jersey i don't care for that person as selflessly as i care for my wife and I'm wired that way. All of us are wired that way. You guys have different uh, different people that you love and care about um, than I do. Yeah, and that's like that's yeah. Brandon's reality. definitely not one of those people, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I care. I care about absolutely nobody except myself. Uh, oh, you you anarchist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, that is something that I've also been looking at lately. Is I think it's really dangerous when our human potential is tapped in, in in the sense of tribalism. And so I, I've specifically seen this, I would say, well, for example, let's take the Black Lives Matter movement. Well, and then there was a protest here in Fargo called White Lives Matter. And it's just like, I can feel the tribalistic instincts coming within people. And I hate it because it is biological. There's a reason why it's in our blood. Think of when the Spanish came to America, shook hands with the Indians. 95% of the Indians died of disease. It's, it's wired within our brains to stick to our culture, but we're, I'm, we're trying to get beyond that. It's like, no, let's, let's all like work together within the free market. And it doesn't have to be tribal. Like we should recognize these human behavior patterns, which created world war one, world war two, world war two. 
any war really it's tribalistic and so i i just always think we need to cut it off right by the throat and like stop that behavior because it's getting worse it's getting worse in my opinion right now especially because well we've already just we discussed this earlier we're more polarized and polarizing i think is our tribal instincts coming out and that's exactly right we're partisan the divide between partisan people has never been wider in my opinion and it's gotten so wide that I feel like many people who think like we do, uh, you know, we're, we're falling through the cracks and the, you know, so who do we turn to, to, uh, to band together with? Well, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be ourselves. <laughs> um, and let, you know, racism too, like racism is in some cases systemic in, in certain governments at, you know, at the local county, it's even state level, depending on what state you're in. I don't see it here in North Dakota at all, but I do acknowledge that, hey, there, there might be some shady crap happening in other states, but you know, let's, let's talk about racism for a second. Racism is the uh, one of the worst collectivist ideologies that could have ever been perpetrated. We're, we're judging people based on how much melatonin they have, or mel melanin, melatonin? Yep, melanin. Like, melanin. One of those things, melanin, that's it. I'm thinking of the melatonin that helps you yeah, go to sleep. That'll but. put you to sleep, <laughs> yep. Yeah, <laughs> so... We're going to collectivize over a hatred of somebody whose whose skin is a different tone. What an insane thing to 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 think about! Like like, how about that guy in, in Leaf or used to live in Leaf, that Craig Cobb? Um, what a what a bizarre whack job that that guy is. If you ever listen to him speak, he's a very good speaker, but his ideas are utter garbage. Mm -hmm. They are utter garbage, and. And this is what brings us back to our uh, to a free market is the fact that we need to have a free market of ideas, and in in, in today's world we don't have that. Uh, if you say anything that goes against the the uh, the uh, three by five card of allowable opinion, there you go. Uh, if you go if you go outside that narrative, then boy howdy, you are shut down. Or in the case of Michael Rechtenwald, he was a Marxist at NYU for his entire life. He was a tenured professor. Well, then all of a sudden he goes against the grain of, of Marxist thought and postmodern thought in the university. And he was thrown out onto his butt, which led him down this later in life, uh, rethinking of everything that he's ever believed. And now he's pretty much a libertarian. Hmm. He goes from full on Marxist, a true believer to libertarian in less than a year. Like that, that's a miracle. I, and it's a miracle of a free market of a free of free ideas. Wow. And another thing that I heard is, yeah, these people that are are Marxist, the only reason that they can hold like in a free society, they can hold those views. <laughs> but it, yeah. like in a communist society, you can't, there is no other alternative. It is what they are giving you. <laughs> so I find that funny as well. It's it's the it's the society that's even allowing you to have these opinions. It's so ignorant to look at it like that. I also think about that and I and I and I'm gonna be likely to guess that he probably took a, a deep trip to the to the underworlds and and had an had an experience where he realized it was just what we've been talking about that you can't predict the way things are gonna always go, but you can let the market decide and that's the best you can possibly do in a world where the human experience is random. <laughs> so exactly. And you know let's just use this frame. Let, let's let's legalize freedom. <laughs> yeah. You know legalize freedom let people make choices if they're going to be self-destructive 
as long as they don't hurt anybody else and let that person engage in that self-destructive choice. Now, I, uh, that's just kind of a blanket statement. There are, there are going to be exceptions. Um, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but let's, uh, what the heck, uh, abortion. I am, honestly, I'm one of the most pro-life libertarians you will ever meet. I am through and through abortion is murder. There is no justification for it at all. Um, you know, I, the, the official party platform of the uh, libertarian party is like, there, there can be good faith arguments that, that are had on, on all sides. I recognize that, but I also recognize that as being wholly and irrevocably wrong. Wow, you know, because we, we can't be self-destructive to our own to our own selves. Um, there was a study in Florida where um, seventy-five percent of abortions performed were elective. Another twenty-five or another twenty percent uh, for socioeconomic reasons. So to me, ninety-five percent of abortions that happened with that information from that study happened for literally no good reason at all. Hmm. The other 5% were medical or whatever. We're not going to talk about that. Let's talk about this 95% of baby murders that happened here, but sorry, I'm, I'm running this whole thing. I, I apologize. No, no, you're <laughs> no, the guest. Okay. No, yeah, <laughs> this is perfect. Run wild, run wild. And, and actually, and I agree with you. And this is also, this is a perfect lead. And actually to another thing that I wanted to hit on is, well, if it's so polarized left and right, well, what's the alternative? And so I think there's a lot of people right now that are infiltrating the Libertarian Party. And I think there is a specific group of people that don't care for that too much because they like their ways that they've been set in since the party's been founded. And ah, uh, the loser brigade. You're talking about the loser brigade. <laughs> yes. As Tom Wood so affectionately calls them. Um, um these are people who uh, they, they embrace, like I, I'm sympathetic towards anarchy, um, but I'm, I'm sympathetic towards principled anarchy. Not, not that I'm a true believer of it, but I, I, at least I get the argument. But there's this, this bent of, of anarchy that like, you know, that Nick Sarwark, who's part of the Loser Brigade, yep. former uh, and disgraced chairman of the, uh, ex-chairman ex of the uh, National Libertarian Party, um, there's this stint of, of uh, anarchy that they just latch onto that like, uh, that you have the right to do whatever you want, no matter how self-destructive it is. And, and uh, you know, you'll be darned if, you know, you're not gonna let me do it. And, and it's just- it's They're an, virtue signaling. That's what I exactly, don't- Exactly, yes. It's like, no, yeah, talk's cheap. Why don't you live by your actions and that'll really show who you're about. And so you can, you can claim, you can make all these claims, but, uh, you know, don't talk about it, be about it is what I always say. <laughs> and it's funny because Brandon's actually a, a newer libertarian. And well, for those who saw my Twitter, I, I kind of, I, I stuck it to the Nevada LP party because they had a, just a, a crazy <laughs> post. I mean, I mean, this, guys is nuts. this is crazy folks. I mean, they, they'll call, they'll call anybody who disagrees with them, alt-right, Nazi, racist anti-semitic like just everything that you could possibly think because they can't have an intellectual discussion and they know that right now there's a lot of people coming in like somebody like brandon who just rejects virtue signaling and wants like a good alternative and i think we have something going here i mean I, i've mentioned this before look at ron paul look at how many people supported ron paul there is there is something that we are missing why why are so many people why do so many people like jordan peterson 
there is a thirst for this, like for the genuine free market and let people do as they may. And not just as a virtue signaling, just fake, like, oh, like almost actually one thing they do is, okay. And so I do think sex work, now this is going to be controversial. I do think that like it should be legal, but I also don't think we should be promoting it on our platform like Nick Sarwark does. It's like, all right, yeah, you're you're looking like a clown out here, you know, calling for prostitution. And it's like, there it has to be done the right way, first of all. But it's just, to me, it seems... It seems like they're just not hitting on the things that people want to actually hear. And so that, that's my biggest that's, issue right now with the party. They, they want to they try to be radical um, in terms of like, you know, hey, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's bring the left in on, on these, these, these things that we share with the left where we can't, you know, come to the right and talk about things that they care about. Um, like it, me, I'm, I, I'm, a generally, I'm generally a pretty conservative person. Um, I, I actually, I believe that my, my libertarianism actually enhances my conservatism and vice versa. Um, and so like my, my whole, uh, my whole thing, one of, one of the biggest things my soapbox is, is, is uh, special assessments on houses. Um, I could, I could soapbox on that all day here, but long story short, um, I believe special assessments are an, are an especially egregious form of taxation. Yes. That is one of the first things that needs to go away. Now I can wait on regular property tax. I can wait on income tax. I'm morally opposed to those, but the first thing that we need to be rid of is special assessments, mostly because um, it was a, a, a very good friend of mine. I've known him and his family for years. We were very good friends in elementary and middle school and high school. And uh, they had lived in a house in South Bismarck had a long existed, pre-existed any development in the area. Well, then a few years later, development happened. Long story short, they were nailed with $57,000 in, in a special assessment. They could pay the lump sum now, or they could pay 300 bucks a month for 10 years. To the, to the, and, and the only reason why they were notified was because the city was obligated only by law to notify them by via the official paper, the Bismarck Tribune. And you know where they found that out? When they found that out, my friend's mom was on her last round of chemo in the hospital. She just beat breast cancer. Her husband was sitting there read the, reading the paper and found out about it that way. Oh my gosh, that is so, tragic. So then I, I confronted uh, our, our old mayor, I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, I confronted him, confronted him about it uh, at, a, at a coffee for the for mayor. And long, the long story short is that he told me, well, they chose to live there. I'm like, what an asinine thing to say. You know, how, how first of all, how dare you? You know, they wanted to live in that house. I think the biggest tragedy about it, though, was they had just dropped like twenty or thirty thousand dollars on a remodel of that. Of the, it was already a lovely house, but they made it even better. Well, guess what? Now that house is a pile of rubble in the, in in the land in the landfill, and an apartment building went up there. Wow. Yeah. So they shouldn't have. I mean, the that, that's go ahead. That's the biggest tragedy about local government is exactly what I just outlined here is the fact that the city can just come in and say, hey, you owe us $57,000 for quote-unquote improvements that they never got any direct benefit from. The only quote-unquote direct benefit they got was the fact that the road they lived off of got approved. That was it. That's, I, and I just reject that. And also, let me clarify my position on, on sex work. First of all, I think it's your body. And if you want, if you like want to transfer money with somebody, that's fine. But I don't agree with sex trafficking, by the way, that is a horrible thing. That is a horrible epidemic that's been going on. 
And that's, that's not, I don't agree with that. That is, you're being forced to, and that is a tragedy, but I think like if it's voluntary, so be it. But again, I'm not going to go out there and well, I am right now, but I guess <laughs> I'm not going to like directly always be advertising, you know, that that's not something that that's not a platform that I, I would that's, be proud. That's of. nothing that's important. Yeah. What's important is mm-hmm. taxation. What's important is, is uh, the, the mask mandates, the vaccines, uh, the vaccine passports. Uh, what's important is the fact that our gun rights are under attack, that our Fourth Amendment rights are under attack, our First Amendment rights are under attack. We have a non-existent Tenth Amendment because the, unfortunately, our state legislators and our governor are cowards, and they will not take back what party, what powers they delegated, what they that the state originally had, that they then gave to the federal government. They won't take those back. Um, yeah. It's like, it, so like for example, collection of income taxes. Did you know that the state of North Dakota could actually collect federal income tax, and the state could decide what we're, what they're going to give Washington D.C. That is a thing that we can do, but they won't do it. You know why? Because they're afraid of the federal government. It's like no, you got to stick up and stand for something. And that's that's also why I I'm hoping that the Libertarian Party can move in the right direction because it's it's a outlet for us to to stand up to some it and go, well, that's not right. And also the tax assessments, that's not right. That should never, ever happen in a million years, no matter what. And so it's a good opportunity in my view to finally stand up to them. So, yeah, for me, you know, kind of shifting towards libertarianism over the last few years, it's not so much about kind of giving in and like just shutting it all out it's kind of standing up and rejecting the negatives of both sides, really. I mean, there's going to be negatives on both sides and you're trying to find a more, I don't want to say gray area, but everything shouldn't be so black and white. Like a decision shouldn't be either all in or all out. Either R or D. (laughs) Exactly. 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 And so it's sort of not necessarily pick and choose, but it feels a lot more like you're standing up to, you know, really bad decisions and able to kind of, work in the right direction yeah and i've yeah the thing about uh the only the here it is people show up to the polling booth and if you tell them you voted for anything other than r&d what is the first thing they say you You wasted wasted your your vote vote. yeah and it's like all right so it now so now if that person gets pressured into voting r&d imagine that times thousands and thousands and thousands of people (laughs) <laughs> and that's exactly the climate that we're in. And then what's the alternative? Gary Johnson, Joe, Joe, I mean, George Organson's not horrible, but Joe Jorgensen, I mean, can we, I, it's just like, come on, man, we need to, it's time to capitalize. People are, people are tired of Joe Biden and Donald Trump. I, I genuinely think there is a, a large portion of independents that are, are sick of it but they just don't know the alternative because, oh, you're wasting your vote. And so I think that's the climate we're in, which is why to go uh, to steer back into the party, the Mises caucus is trying to give people an, a genuine legitimate alternative. So that's, that's what sold me. And that's, that's the one thing that I'm, I'm so thankful for with the, uh, with the uh, uh, LPMC is the fact that finally somebody is, is, has gotten together they're, they're starting to, you know, kick some teeth in, make some changes in the party and finally get, you know, get organized, bring, get libertarianism back to the table. Cause like I said, there's this, this, there's, is this, this, um, this stint of anarchy 
that's running rampant through this leftist anarchy is running rampant through the party. You know, you got the, 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 I think his name is Dave Shipley or something like that. I can't remember his name, but he, he's, he's a, a hardcore leftist libertarian. And I don't know if you've ever seen him speak. Uh, he is just, you know, I, I, I shouldn't cast judgment. I, I apologize. <laughs> it's unchristian. Um, but he just spews utter nonsense. Like I remember when he ran for, uh, when he ran uh, for chairman of the uh, LNC, um, basically the big juggernauts uh, of the whole debate uh, was, it was, oh, Mike Shipley, that's his name, not Dave Shipley, Mike Shipley, that's, that's his name. Um, it was Mike Shipley uh, versus uh, Joshua Smith versus uh, Joe Bishop Henchman. Oh, Those yeah. were your three big ones that were running for uh, chairman of the LNC. Let me tell you, the only two people that I could actually listen to was Joshua Smith and Joe Bishop Henchman. Mike, Mike Shipley was this complete, utterly nonsensical. He made no arguments that made any sense. Um, he, he wanted to, uh, you know, this bottom-up unity, whatever. Hey, fine, get the get the bottom to rise up. That whatever, do it. But you're not gonna you're not gonna find that rhetoric is gonna be very friendly to you here in the in the current conditions of the party. Because guess what? We're not Marxists. <laughs> We're not communists. Yeah. You know, we don't believe in this leftist. Uh, we don't believe in this leftist ideology that yeah. that he has clung to bitterly. It's not necessarily. I think that you're even judging him. It's more so we need to reject these bad ideologies. And it's really interesting, actually, that you bring up faith. And I've I've mentioned this before, but I think I think a society that doesn't have any now, and I don't think I think the religion and state can obviously get extremely controversial. But I also think that more so the culture. If you're if you're primarily atheist, you lean towards well something's got to take uh, place of religion. It just has to. So what takes place? Ideologies. We in, and communism. So for example, in Russia, if you go look, go look up was communist Russia atheist? You'll see that the only what they did is they reprimanded all uh, faith, and they just wanted you to focus on the ideology of communism. You look at Nazi Germany. Hitler claimed to be the Messiah. So people, so he was like a God, like, so they made him the religion. And so these, this sets the stage for tribalism. And so to me, I think actually a society that has a, a culture based upon faith is more likely to be freer. That that's, that's what I've, I've uh, studied over, over a historical perspective. Anytime society goes away from faith, there's usually an ideology takes place. And I've mentioned this before, but Frederick Nietzsche uh, in his book in 1860 actually made uh, the claim, which he wasn't, and I've said this before, he wasn't necessarily praising this. It, was a bad, it wasn't a good thing to him. His claim was God is dead. Society was no longer, the culture was not religious. And he predicted that communism was going to take place and millions of people were going to die in the 20th century. What happened in the 20th century? 50 million people in Russia died. And then of course you can think about the Holocaust. And then of course you can think about all the people that died at D-Day. And then of course you can think about even Japan. It's the same, it's the same thing. So that, that's, that's really something that, that grabbed me, really gave me a, a stronger sense of my faith, I think. Well, when you take so, away- Brent, oh, oh, go ahead, Brandon, sorry. Go ahead. I was just okay. gonna make a quick point here, but uh, uh, go ahead, sorry. I was just gonna say quick. Um... When you take away religion and you give someone else in the position of power, that godlike figure, 
there's an, it's unchallenged power. Like when you make someone in the figure that is a godlike figure and they are the Messiah, there's no one to challenge them if people really buy into it. And, you know, you see that with, um, you know, communist, you know, Soviet Union, there was absolutely nobody standing up to it because they all believed in it. And, at, you know, if you're an official or you're high up, you are absolutely unchallenged in power. There's no free market and there's absolutely no exchange for any other thought besides one person. And if they're not absolutely the perfect human being and they're going to make every single right decision, then it's going to go to shit eventually. That's, that's the biggest problem with, with any sort of centralized planning apparatus is the fact that it, it literally re- relies on the right person who believes the right things to be at a right position at the right time to do the right thing. All the time as well. All the time, yes. <laughs> and, and like that, that is not a thing that, that's not a thing that, that has ever happened. I don't have that much faith in humanity. Sorry. <laughs> no. And it's interesting because when you think of the way that the, the Bible specifically was written, it was a really, really unconventional idea. It's like there's a God and even if you're the ruler of a country, you still got to answer to him. It's like, you aren't above everybody else. Like everybody's got to answer to it. And I think that's extremely, that's, that's something that I personally agree with and align with, because at the end of the day, we're all like flawed as people. And I don't think, I don't think anybody held up to a Messiah is ever going to end good. And we have historical data to back that. Yep. I'm going to take back what I just said. Actually, there's only been one person who's been at the right place at the right time to do the right thing for the right reasons. That was Christ himself. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, see, so that's, that's, yes. <laughs> that, is, that so, is actually, that's on the Bible. It's like, we want to act like Christ and act like a good and virtuous person. And so I think when people look down on religion, I think it's silly. And I think you can't just overlook the significance of Christianity, even if you aren't a Christian. You can't overlook this uh, significance of the culture that it created for people to be able to be virtuous and be good people so that's exactly right so i i kind of want to use this kind of as a uh, as a catapult to let's talk about the, the libertarian pure uh, purity police um i i absolutely refuse to be considered a, a purist libertarian i i have, I have republican sympathies i have democrat sympathies i have libertarian sympathies um the reason why i'm a libertarian is because i feel like this party is the best way to enact uh, the most amount of freedom that we could possibly do. Uh, freedom is what counts, right? Um, and I hate it when the Puritan, when the Puritan police go in and say, well, you can't say that because that's not libertarian. And well, guess what? Like I said, I refuse to be, to be a pure libertarian. In fact, I consider, you know, if anybody calls me a pure libertarian, I, I'm going to take that as an insult because I'm not going to fall on the three by five card of allowable opinion of what libertarianism is. <laughs> I refuse to do that. So, uh, Brandon, with with you being uh, a newcomer to the fold, welcome. By the way, um, if you have any reservations, if there's anything that you believe that might run contrary to uh, libertarian thought, um, my my first my first suggestion is you know do research, uh, look up whoever it is that you need to to look up to. Uh, to maybe refine your thoughts, but don't be afraid to have an opinion that might be contrary in some way to libertarianism. 
because default libertarianism inc is, like for example we just we, took, we covered abortion um i hold the nap very very dear especially when it comes to protecting the unborn human life begins at conception is that simple um that runs contrary to libertarianism inc so if you feel that way you're not alone <laughs> so, yeah and also um, don't get discouraged by the like you said the puritan police because you will find i guarantee you you will run into that world of oh well you're not a real libertarian blah, 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 blah. it's like actually another thing that i respected about ron paul was he was also pro-life so yes. and that's a great example of a candidate that ran that doesn't necessarily apply to all of the all of the points that libertarianism in its core might stand for you don't have to necessarily like brett said agree with everything so i i do and that's also for any listeners here too. It's it's really, you know, we're all, I guess we're all saying here, think independently for yourself. Think for yourself. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so, it's, so it's ridiculous. Oh, go ahead, Brent, sorry. I was gonna say, it's ridiculous to think that you have to think a certain way to be a libertarian because not even, you know, the, the ideal, the ideals and what the Democratic Party has stood for has changed so much over time, as well as the Republican Party. Like, there's the core values that kind of stick, but their message and the way that they do things has changed so drastically over time. Um, and a lot of it too, is they don't use it necessarily because it's what they believe in. They're doing it to push a certain narrative or an agenda. So it feels very forced and fake. And to say that you have to go along with this old way of thinking and everything has to be a certain way, you're really just harming yourself in the end run. So I like, you know, like you said, I, like to think independently. And if I, I think a lot of people have the stigma about libertarianism, like my dad, for one, when I, I didn't like come out as a libertarian to him, but you know, I kind of told him like my way of thinking about stuff. And he's like, Oh, so kind of libertarian. I'm like, yeah, but not every single thing, you know, it doesn't have to just be black and white. Like I said, like independent thought. And I don't know yeah. about, you know, getting him to think about stuff more openly in that, you don't have to blindly follow something, you know, like there's you, what's the saying you want to stand for, I'll never like bow to a man or like stand for IDs, not ideals, not a man or like something like that. I can't even think of what it is. I'm totally blanking. Or um, I've heard one also like stand for something or fall for anything. So you also got to have principles that you live upon as well. Exactly. You know, so. and also pr principle over party every time mm -hmm. uh, that, that to me is a, a winning message. Um, the only problem is that we are going back to, like I said, this tribalistic thing where, you know, yeah, we're all members of the Libertarian Party. Um, Republicans are part of the Republican Party, Democrats, Democrat Party. Uh, we run off of this very tribalistic system where, uh, you know, you, you can run with an R next to your name and all you're going to do is attract people that vote R. You're going to you're going to turn away people that vote L and vote B. Um, and so, but the, the ironic thing is, is that the message of people over, or yeah, people over party, or principle over party, both both things. Um, that is a message that is wildly popular, but we can't enact it because of our political system the way it is. Yes, and that's that's not unless you run unless you run for uh, a political office that isn't partisan. Yes, like uh, city commissioner, I believe, is one that's nonpartisan. City commission, county commission. Um, all the way up, like the highest one that's nonpartisan is uh, superintendent of uh, public construction. Yeah. By the way, I looked at uh, running for city commissioner and I was just kind of dabbling into looking at it. And 
what other position that have you ever heard of that gives themselves a 40% pay raise? I, I looked in Fargo and Fargo, they, they did this or they passed a thing that allowed, gave them a 40% pay raise. And I just thought to myself, hmm. That so, would not fly over well in, at the place I work at. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I'll give myself a 40% raise. I did a pretty good job. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. If I do say so myself. <laughs> Gotta love government, right? Yes. Well, this is, this is a great conversation today. And it's, I think the last time that we, we talked real like polit- political is probably when we had Marty on. So it's a pleasure to have you on. And also, by the mm-hmm. way, I mentioned this before, but make sure you uh, check out Brett's podcast, Talking Into the Void. Uh, I've also listened to your episodes and you've made great strides. And I think that I, I love the show. So <laughs> thank you very much. It's, it's literally uh, my ADD rattled brain, just blurping stuff out into the world, but Hey, there it is. Talking into the void yeah. and uh, seeing if yeah. something talks back, right? <laughs> that's, that's right. Well, t- tell you what, I, I, I don't know how much more time we've got, but I would love to talk about, you know, you guys' origin stories, you know, how, how, how have you come to libertarianism, but if we're running out of time, then we can discuss. No, there, there is no time limit, baby. Let's oh, cool. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys want to start, if you want me to start, um, I sure can. I'd love to hear your um, story actually. Yeah. Sure. So uh, this is going way back. Uh, just to give an idea, I'm, I'm probably a good 10 years older than you guys. Um, I'm 29. Uh, so uh, my whole political journey kind of started, I'd say, middle school to, to high school, where I, I was I was a Republican. In fact, I was a neoconservative of the worst way. I thought George Bush could do no wrong, that Iraq War II was completely justified, because guess what? There were nukes in Iraq. <laughs> yeah, my right. god we're gonna bomb that country that country into a into a parking lot um boy howdy did my opinion change <laughs> so, but i was a, a i was a true blue like neocon you know i was gonna i was totally in for john mccain right away when he voted or ran for president against uh, barack obama um luckily my opinion of him changed pretty rapidly actually <laughs> um it was really the the crux of it was ron paul and I can't tell you how many people that I've met that said, okay, what brings you to libertarianism? Oh, it was Ron Paul. I'm, I'm one of the Ron Paul disciples. He's the one that brought me here. Um, you guys too, apparently. <laughs> and, um, uh, and like, and which is amazing because like, even to this day, Ron Paul is not active in politics at all. He, he's an, he's an old man, you know, he's enjoying his retirement years as he should. He, he's done amazing work, um, but he's still bringing young people to the fold, which I, I commend you two for, for, for jumping in. But I remember the OG days where he ran for president in 2008, 2012, and uh, he really brought a lot to the fold in terms of making sure that we're principled, making sure that we uh, get libertarian ideas, just spreading the idea of liberty for crying out loud. Uh, But anyway, sorry, I'm getting off track here. Um, My my whole view started to change in a big way. Uh, When I graduated in the spring of 2009, um, my dad gave me a, a uh, there's a copy here. I'll, I'll grab the book. Um, it is the Conservatives Handbook, written by Phil Valentine. And uh, here, that's what it looks like. I can't see it all that well, I guess. But uh, um, I, I read this book uh, at my family cabin that summer, and uh, I took it a lot to heart. And also, a lot of advice that my dad gave me was always be suspicious of the government, no matter who's in charge. No matter if it's somebody that you even support at, as a Republican or whatever, 
always be suspicious. And that I really took that to heart. And I took a lot of what was in this book to heart as well. And it's been 10 years since I read it. But uh, uh, anyways, um, I always held that deep uh, idea of suspicion for government, for the, for the, for the government. Like they never do the right thing at all at, at the right time. And what really w- woke me up was when Obamacare passed. Uh, that was way back in 2011, 2010. Um, when I saw that uh, Republicans were signing on the bill, uh, as long as they got their, their part of the, uh, of the, uh, the pork spending that was in that bill too. Um, another part of it too was, was, uh, guaranteeing student loans. Well, what does that have to do with, with, uh, um, with, with healthcare? It has nothing to do with healthcare. So then all of a sudden I, uh, the way my student loans were being carried out, I had, I had all my student loans through the bank of North Dakota. Well, then all of a sudden I was forced onto this federal system, um, to then I have to, I had to accept, uh, uh student loans from a, a, a different bank that I had no idea who they were or where they came from. But hey, the federal government told me so if I wanted to get a student loan. So that's another part of it that just really ran at home for me that, you know what, maybe these Republicans aren't as principled, aren't as stalwart as I thought they were. And so that's kind of what led me to the very the, the idea that, you know what, I'm gonna start breaking from the uh, from the Republican Party. If that's how they're going to do, if they're gonna cave over even small things, they're going to cave over big things and vice versa. If they're going to cave on big things, they're going to cave on small things. And so that's, that's why I decided, you know what, I had enough. I don't know what I am, but I know I'm not a Republican. Well, then I started listening, really listening to Ron Paul and his speeches. And that's when it clicked. And for me in 2011 was like, you know what? I, I am a libertarian. I, I really do believe this. I, I still, you know, I still hold some conservative Republican beliefs. But my mind has really been changed, especially when it came to war. And then um, eventually I got introduced to, to Tom Woods, starting listening to him. And, uh, and, and it just, it was, it's just everything ideolog- ideologically kind of fell into place. And it, it took some time. I mean, it, it, it took me a good probably five years to really refine my beliefs. But I, I think I've arrived at the optimum point that I can be at. And uh, so I want to hear where, you know, what your origin stories were. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I've always, always been interested in people and the way everything works just in general. Ever since I was a kid, I've always just listened to, everybody would tell me, like I would sit at restaurants and when the adults would talk, I, I would never color. I just listened to the adults talk and I wouldn't say a word the entire time and so I, I've always listened to people. And so I've always had this interest in ideas. And so, well, and I think I really started to start to get involved in politics my freshman year of high school, actually. Uh, you know, specifically, I would, I would actually, I'll give credit to, to Dell, actually. And I think I've mentioned this before, but he is my uncle. And so he would just say stuff. He wasn't, he never like necessarily convinced me or was like, giving me this like lecture. He never, ever, ever did that. But his ideas were so good that in the free marketplace, I was sold on them. So you didn't need to, you don't need to con- necessarily convince when it's just like, well, I like that idea. So that's to me is convincing enough. And so I would say another thing that 
another specific thing that I remember is my junior year in AP U.S. history class. We had a debate in the class about uh, Abraham Lincoln's suspension of habeas corpus. And uh, our teacher, Mr. Cozy, goes, all right. And by the way, Brennan was in this class, so he's one of the victims. So (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Ricosi went, all right, raise your hand if you thought that it was warranted. And every single person in the class, other than me, raised their hand. And and then he goes, and then obviously I was the only guy that didn't raise my hand. So he looks at me and he goes, all right, why? So then I sold my case and I go, no matter what the circumstances are, if you buckle on principles and set the precedent, it is bound to happen again. And I think we look now and habeas corpus has been suspended actually beyond after the civil war as well. And so just by fiat, was, <laughs> yes. not even official decree, just by fiat, but yeah. anyway, continue. Sorry. No, it's all good. Uh, and then, so I would say I, I started to, that was what struck me actually, because I, I texted, I texted Marty, by the way, that right after that, because I was just so, I couldn't believe that not a single other person stood up or just thought that that was wrong. And, he just told me like that is the reality of the situation but he also told me that if you stand up for something you'd actually be surprised because some of the people that raised their hand before might actually be re-questioning their position because you were able to stand up and have the courage and so I thought hmm well that's interesting because it seems like the Republican and Democrat is like the the same thing as everybody raising their hand and I go well hmm maybe if maybe there is in like I was exactly in your position I, I wasn't sure what I was and I was like well, I don't agree with uh, the Republicans I, all the time, and I was prim- I, I am more sympathetic to the right, and but there were some things to the right where I just thought they were kind of being boomers about it, <laughs> <laughs> or, or the, the the spending is just like outrageous, and so I guess I I really started to mature when I started listening to Tom Woods. He really introduced me. I had never listened to a podcast before. And so my freshman year of college, I he was the first podcast episode I'd ever listened to. And it was about Trump. And it was actually uh, talking about, because everything you heard in the news was bashing Trump and it was just all horrible. And he wasn't necessarily praising Trump, but he was giving like a different perspective. Like not every single thing he did was evil. And I, I thought that was interesting because there are, it's really interesting that Trump can win. And that's what, made me realize that there is actually people are tired of the establishment and Trump was the next best thing that they could think of. And so they voted for Trump. And so I thought, Hmm. So then I started, you know, Tom Wood sold me on libertarianism. And, uh, from there, it's just, yeah, it's, it's sprouted from there. And of course I've watched a ton of Ron Paul and I also find, uh, one of his videos from 1988. Ooh, I know the one you're talking about. Yep. And he is standing up there and there is a crowd of people, just a massive crowd. He's just sitting there calmly and they are just chanting at him, just say no. And what is that for? The war on drugs. And we all know how catastrophic the war on drugs has been and how how much of a failure it's been. But because Ron Paul was principled and they stood up for it, he was ahead of his time. And now look at some states, Oregon decriminalized all drugs. And it's just like, wow. To me, it's like, if you can be principled and stand for something, it doesn't matter what society is saying to you, you know what's right and wrong. And so that's what sold me on libertarianism. So that's my story. <laughs> uh, I guess for me, you know, I started kind of writing the coattails um, when Adam started kind of getting on the wave, I would say. He would always say the phrase, and Adam, you know the phrase, um, 
taxation is theft. <laughs> always just he would always just uh snap text me that randomly just say it like he just say it just to something you know, like half the time he just say it just to see what i would say um and then he would get serious every now and then about it and then i'd really think about it and then we'd have a deep discussion about it and after that you know i kind of was thinking about like you know with the recent light of the events of 2016's election and all the media and before then i was definitely into uh in about 2015 2014 i listened to a lot of ben shapiro and miley yiannopoulos was a guy that was around he was the gay guy that was like he was just anti-social justice warrior right like he just roasted people he didn't really have a good argument for stuff he just liked to make chaos and it wasn't so much that i like saw them as like a role model for like their beliefs it was more so like just sticking it to the power like stop telling us that we're like people are evil for thinking something's a little bit absurd and you know so i kind of started getting this thing where i'm like i really don't like being told from either side what to do and you know you have to believe in a certain thing if you're conservative or you know if you're not um if you're a liberal or you know you're on the left you have to believe this and everyone on the other side has to be evil and going into college, I met a diverse group of people from all over the United States. I interact with them. You know, we bleed together. We spend every single day together. And a lot of the guys had vastly different political opinions than me. And just getting to know them as a person, there was not a single one of us that was so different from one another that we wouldn't. I mean, not give our lives, I would say, but we were willing to jump on the grenade at that point. Like you form a bond with people that have different opinions. And it really opened my eye, like all this um, stress being placed on the people from both sides of the government, you know, R&D, they're purposely using the stress to divide everyone apart from each other. And it feels so, and it feels so gross to me to even want to support either side And I started to think independently about everything because I absolutely hated the idea of me like teammates and friends not wanting to hang out with each other anymore or not want to be the same because some person in a suit told you not to think that way. So you have to do it right. That is the most absurd thing ever to be like, to be with someone for three years and you're absolutely like just working together and everything but as soon as something happens and a guy in a suit tells you what to do, you have to disassociate, disassociate yourself because you align R&D and it's different. So after that, I really was just like, I'm done being really either. I still would say I lean conservative um, with a lot of my ideals on like abortion and gun control and a lot of stuff like that. Um, but the idea of being able to be free of thought and not being told that the government is always right all the time. And just like kind of taking a deeper look of myself and what I kind of stand for, I think is what brought me in because to me, what I stand for is what I want to be standing for something else as well. If that makes sense. That's a good way of putting it. Um, Kind of, on a related note to what you just said, you know, you're still leaning conservative with, you know, especially when it comes to being pro-life and gun, you know, being against gun control. Um, there, there's an, an individual in, in the LPND, uh, 
his name is Roland Reamers. I don't know if you guys know him at all. He, he's up in Grand Forks. He's run for different things. Um, he's made the news in a few occasions <laughs> and yeah, in a bad light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyways, uh, I remember at, it was at a, uh, a meeting that the, uh, the North Dakota Libertarian Party had back in September of, of 2019. And uh, um, I was trying my best, um, and I ultimately failed, but uh, I tried my best to uh, make the party at least issue a statement that, hey, you know what, we, we like to, you know, we're, we're, we stand for life. And unfortunately, uh, the way party politics is structured, you have to follow lock and step with what the national platform is. If you remove that abortion plank from the national platform, maybe I would have had something. Um, but anywho, um, I made a speech and then he came up after me and started, basically he, he was not, he was roundabout attacking me, but not actually calling my name, but I, he was looking right at me and I'm just like, Hey, bring it on buddy. <laughs> and he, you know, he, he'll go and he'll, he'll call anybody who's pro-life. Uh, he'll call them, you know, this pro-birth, uh, this pro-birth cult and, and all of this. And it, it, it's just, I, I don't get it. Um, Roland, it, it, he's he's a generous person when it comes to making sure that people have their have their freedoms and their in their day in court if they um, if they do something wrong. He, he's actually uh, gotten some some nonviolent offenders. I think when it comes to like minor uh, like a minor in possession of drugs or, or alcohol or whatever, he's he's actually spent money on lawyers to help those people those people out. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, you know the the man is just he's old i think he should just he's 75 something like that he should sunset himself into the uh um into the wild blue yonder and let the new blood take over you know i'm excited and, uh, it's kind of sorry like my wife just brought me dinner and my, my dog just rolled in here so thanks babe yeah um, speaking of a dog <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah but, um... uh, that's how I feel. I feel like a, a dog right now. that's on a leash and I'm just like barking right now. I try, I'm just excited, man. I just want to jump in and get involved right now. And that's, it's probably being young and, and that's just the stage. Right, right now is a perfect time. Um, it, well, perfect is, is not actually the technical, not, not the technical term I would use, but um, it's a, it's better time than none at all because uh, North Dakota, we're just coming off of our legislative session. That's ending here in the next week or two, I think. Um, right now is the time to get, get organized. Uh, we need to attack the midterms head on. Um, if you live in an odd number district in North Dakota, your, your local legislator and your local legislators, your one senator and two representatives are up for election in odd number districts. And if we want to, you know, throw a, if we want to throw a shot across their bow, the best thing we can do is run somebody against them, get into the debates, and let the people know, hey, we, there's a better alternative than, than R and D out there. Um, you've got the L's, and you know, we, yeah, we're not very big, but we're at least an alternative. We there's somewhere there's somewhere that people who don't necessarily fit in, or they want to fit in, but they're not liking what the two parties are doing. Um, they're more than welcome to, to join our ranks. And you know, be active, uh, get involved, uh, run for something, support people who are running for something. Um, you know, make it happen. <laughs> yes. I mean, I I, I spent I, I was you know especially when I when I first got active in party uh, in li uh, libertarian party 
stuff actually it was back in 2014 i i was probably the biggest supporter of jack siemens in, in the bismarck area i, I went to, to the street fair in that september of that year and i had two i had two uh jack siemens signs roped around my body just so i could advertise and walk around that I did awesome. for three hours and then i went to a bar and had a few beers <laughs> <laughs> And I, I, I gave out some literature and stuff like that. People give me looks, but you know, I was like, hey, you know what? I, I don't care. That's awesome. That's <laughs> but, funny. Uh, that's, that's how you can get involved. It's just do crazy stuff like that. I mean, yes. I, I, I talked about politics at work, which you should never do, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, and uh, so, yeah, that's just, it, that's one of the crazy things is, is that I've done is, you know, just, just getting involved, just, just doing something even if it means just networking with, with people, you know, in your area, like that's the reason why I was kind of a little bit late tonight for this podcast was actually, I was, I had a meeting with uh, uh, a couple of people, uh, you know, Caitlin, I think you spoke to her, Adam. Um, yep. And then an, and actually an old neighbor of mine, he runs the libertarians of North Dakota page. Um, uh, we, all three of us got together. We were going to try and start an, an affiliate for Burley County, but that didn't go anywhere, unfortunately. But um, uh but you know we're gonna we're gonna try again and uh, and we're gonna get something we're gonna get something going here because one of the one of the biggest things that you know and this is just politics in general is the best thing you can do is to start taking back control of your of your government is you have to start local so you know start in your county start in your city start in your neighborhood um, if you if you are unfortunate enough to live in an HOA get on that HOA board. <laughs> yeah. Um, if, if you live in a, in a city, uh, get on the city commission. Uh, get on. Uh, uh, or like another example here is actually uh, we've got a uh, what's the position? It's uh, the garrison diversion something or other. That's an elected position. I don't know what it what it does. Hmm. Um, it's something to do with the garrison dam. But down here in Burley County, I don't I don't know how that works. But that's an elected <laughs> position apparently is is being in charge of that. So. Um, who knows? Somebody might run for that and try to beat the guy who's done it for 20 years. There you go. Um, get on your county commission. Um, you know, if if you're a person who's uh, if you're a libertarian-leaning cop, run for a sheriff of your county mm. and become a constitutional sheriff. Uh, we have a, a severe shortage of con constitutional sheriffs. Um, you know, stick it to the federal government and the state government by saying, "Oh, this is law. No, I'm not going to enforce it. Sorry." And here's the thing: there's nothing they can do. Well, in North Dakota, which is which is this is the most insane thing, um, the governor can dismiss a sitting sheriff. Wow, that is a severe, massive overreach, in my opinion, especially when it comes to law enforcement. Because um, you know, if the people of a county want their sheriff to be in there, and all of a sudden the the uh, the governor doesn't like what that sheriff is doing, then the the, the governor can just go like, oh, you're done, get out of here. Which is, I did not know that. That is interesting. Yeah. Uh, there's not much like that in any other state, so far, so far as I know. Um, so North Dakota is very much in the minority. Um, a conservative state, too. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah, we're pro-law enforcement, you know, here in this state. That's true. <laughs> but uh, but here's the thing. You know, another thing, too, is that North Dakota is, is a unicorn in this union. Because guess what? We have a state mill. We have a state bank. Now, the state bank, believe it or not, is not tied to the Federal Reserve System, so so take that for for what you will. Yeah, it's state owned, but it's not tied to the Federal Reserve. So, you know, 
give and take there, but man, let me tell you, if we're not tied to the Federal Reserve, that's not the worst thing in the world. It's um, very true. So, especially when the state bank has some excellent services um, for the people of North Dakota. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge stickler on, uh, on state sovereignty. So if the people of North Dakota, you know, hey, if we want to have our own bank and our own state mill, you know, the early progressives way back at the turn of the last century, they, they voted for that. That's why we have the state mill. That's why we have the state bank. Um, if they're trying to, if they're using government as a force for good for uh, the people of North Dakota by offering certain programs like, like student loans or loan consolidation, um, that is amazing because they can offer uh, interest rates that are competitive, if not significantly lower than what you can find elsewhere. So yeah. take, take, take that with what you will. As for the state mill, I don't know, privatize it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. See, <laughs> always looping it back in. That's awesome. Well, you know, I think that that's a good spot to wrap up too. And so we got all our stories and we, I think we got a lot of, uh, we had a good, good discussion today and hopefully people can take something away from it that they probably hadn't have heard before. And hopefully it was off of the three by five card of allowable opinion, as Tom Wood says, and Thank you for tuning in for another episode and we will be back again next week and we'll probably bring Brett on again in the future here. Um, I would so, love to be. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And thank you everybody for tuning in and uh, be great and be built different.